The form of this might be a bit of an experiment. So first off, congrats, you guys have arrived. Um, can you, did, did you request to be assigned to the same exhibition week, or was it coincidental that you're collaborating this closely? Can you just sort of tell me how you came to be yeah. collaborators and how your shows relate to one another? Um, yeah, so we did request to be on the same week. Um, uh, we kind of, so we share a studio um, and we're also roommates and we've known each other since freshman year and we uh, have a lot of similar interests within graphic design and, and art so it kind of naturally made sense that we would collaborate a lot. Um, and uh, I guess since since it's the first year that we have the new early space, we kind of wanted to um, play with the format of like doing doing independent shows but sharing a title and having related content going on at the same time uh, in different galleries. Yeah, like I think a lot of it kind of started out as a joke. Um, yeah. Like, oh, let's have the same show. Uh, let's have the yeah, at one point we were like, oh, let's all have the same show. And then at another point we were like, let's have the same title for our shows. And also I think we just decided, yeah, kind of arbitrarily to have our shows at the same time. And it was kind of a, yeah, it kind of just happened that we started doing more and more stuff collaboratively. Um, like, for example, like these orange and spin pictures that we did, like, that was, like, I think one of the first pieces that we did uh, this year together. Um, and that was, yeah, kind of meant to, like, the spoon is supposed to represent me, and the orange is supposed to be Jonathan, you know? But it's not actually an orange, but, um, yeah. I'm so, Mandarin? I think it's the Clementine. <coughs> They're all oranges to me, so... <laughs> But it's like meant to kind of represent like, like these are all like different formal ways to arrange them, and it kind of, I think for me it's like a way that it kind of is an abstraction of how like these two are constantly in dialogue, and that's like a representation for the way our shows and our practices have kind of come together. Yeah. Why a spoon and why an orange? So. <laughs> I'll explain yours and you explain mine. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, the, so the spoon's a reference to this, uh, this essay by Max Bill that Eric really likes called Continuity and Change. Um, and in it, he talks about the idea of a true form, which is like a form of something that kind of captures the, the essential, like everything that's necessary for its function and its... Uh, uh, the, the spoon is something that you know, has can take on a lot of different forms and, and thinks of all these different variations of a spoon as kind of a, a process that's searching for the true form. Um, and I think that's an idea that kind of pops up a lot in in both of our in both of our work, but especially in Eric's, um, the idea of like a, a continual process um, that might never be truly finished, but is like something worthwhile in and of itself. So, 
Is there a significance to this particular spoon? Is it like... Uh, this was a spoon that our friend Rachel left in our studio that we just happened to have. <laughs> That's my favorite spoon there. I bought that at Home Goods, and it's literally like a regular dining spoon just blown up. And it, it kind of, yeah, it actually kind of fits in the vocabulary of the space, which is like giant gallery display technology. Yeah. How about the orange? Uh, so the orange? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is going to be my reading of it. Uh -huh. So Jonathan had an orange that he brought to his, or Clementine, whatever, that he brought to his studio at the beginning of junior year. So this is like two years ago at this point. And he left it on a piece of styrofoam, and it's just sort of sat there um, for the past two years. Um, I'm doing something else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you gonna be around for a while? Yeah, I'll be around. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So the orange clementine sort of just sat on the styrofoam, and it over time kind of shriveled up and decayed, but sort of remained like re recognizably an orange. Um, and I think. What's interesting about that is it kind of ties a lot into Jonathan's own interests as well. So I think one of the things that he's interested in is just a general idea of identity um, and representation over a period of time and in different spaces. And I think that the fact that we kind of don't care about whether it's an orange or a clementine or a tangerine or it's just like a citrus fruit is interesting because it kind of like it kind of goes one level higher in terms of uh, thinking about abstraction and and then I also think that what's nice about the orange is that it's just been there over such a long period of time that like its very nature and identity has kind of changed over the past two years and then there's also just the fact that it's kind of his thing and his mascot. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's good, and um, I guess I would only add that, like, yeah, the the kind of process of, like, or the, the idea that, I mean, calling all these things oranges, even though they're different kinds of fruit, um, feels like kind of a true-forming idea of, like, all these different instances of, like, a broader category, and then, like... Uh, identity, um, so identity thought of as, like, a, a process, and then, like, uh, true form thought of as, like, a search for identity as well. So, so there's, yeah. like, yeah. uh, like, reading each other's work through each other's things, um, is, is kind of a, a but how has that, how has that process or that collaboration impacted or shaped your, identity as an artist. I hope it hasn't shriveled up and decayed. <laughs> um, like, how would you describe... Because um, there's something like very... Like the fact that your work is in conversation with one another and it's mm -hmm. a little self-effacing to share so much. Or it's just like very generous. Um, how do you feel like that's maybe changed your sense of yourself as an artist? Um, yeah, I think... 
I mean, collaboration as a way of working has always just been something that's uh, important to me because um, it's it's just more interesting that way. I think um, like maybe it comes from a place of not being so interested in myself. Like I already know what I know, but um, being interested in other people uh, and kind of the process of coming up with something collaboratively that's like better than uh, mm -hmm. what each individual would have been capable of. Um, and, and I think for me it's definitely influenced a lot of the way I think about like ideas in design um, because I guess a lot of the way that I, I work through and like deal with ideas is by talking with other people about them. Um, and so it's, it's been pretty important for me to have mm -hmm. Eric as a sounding board and hopefully vice versa. Yeah, I think pretty early on I, I realized how oftentimes conversations are one of the best ways to uh, be more productive in one's artistic practice. So when I mean productive, I kind of mean sort of you go in with one set of ideas and you come out with another set of ideas about the same topic. Um, I think that's something that has become more and more um, obvious this year as we've spent a lot of time talking. Um, we'll often, like one, of the, like, one of the things that we've come to realize is just through talking we're able to get to a higher level of understanding of the specific idea or concept. And I think that's been really great, especially when talking about work. Um, that's been super productive. Um, and that's actually sort of like what we've been doing with Interface Surface, which is like our podcast. Um, and it kind of like, in one way, it's sort of just like this anti-podcast where we force the listener to listen to us talking about things we have no context about. But in another way, it's a way for us to kind of keep, like, set a time every week or so to talk for an hour-ish. And then like, there's no real agenda to what we're talking about, but we kind of start of a topic, and usually, most often, it ends up somewhere much more productive or enlightening. And I'd also just add that I think specifically having Jonathan um, as a student, it's definitely made me more conscious about the societal impact of the work I do in, in design. I think he's definitely much more focused on all of that. I put that area. Like, I don't want to say like social good, but I'm gonna say <laughs> like just like societal impact. Like one of his big interests is like um, biases in machine learning. So it's like a really interesting and just like biases in, in algorithms and and data science. Uh, I think that's something that comes across uh, strongly in his show, and it's like that combined with online identity. But that's made me a lot more conscious of that entire, like, it's always been something that I've kind of known about, but it's not really something that was really under consideration for me either. Thanks, sir. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, sure, yeah. Yeah, you mean uh, my interest in, uh, I guess, like, the, the social aspects of technology. Um, well, it's something that I've 
been thinking about a lot, and I think a lot of people have uh, since you know, the 2016 election. And, uh, I think um, that was a catalyst for a lot of people to start thinking about how technology and media um, have, like, by virtue of their ingrainedness uh, in, in people's daily lives, um, have an effect. And then through that line of thinking, how the people who design technology have this responsibility to kind of consider, um, you know, more uh, more cases of how their work is going to be used in the world. Um, so uh, I've been taking classes uh, and, and reading a lot about um, what Eric mentioned, like bias in machine learning, uh, which is like, so, uh, I guess by machine learning I mean like uh, predictive algorithms that are being used in uh, a bunch of settings like uh, like criminal justice or um, hiring or healthcare and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you heard about the controversy yeah. with, mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of that. Eric Meyer and um, Design for Real Life. You come across that book? I haven't. No. It's a good one. Oh yeah, I'll definitely just Sarah Walker Vetcher and Eric Meyer. Uh huh. It's about a lot of cases like that. Cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Obviously, we're here in this space. Mm -hmm. Um. Surrounded. Uh, this work. Like, can you tell me about? Uh, I'm going to go photograph the Lucas as well. But mm -hmm. um, how does your work engage with with some of those problems? Or, Challenges. Yeah. Um, I think indirectly, but very presently. Um, like, I have my my other life in like academic research, but um, through uh, my visual arts work, at least, I think the uh, the the idea of like the the designers like hand in setting up a, a system of, of rules or constraints that then kind of influences how the rest of like a process unfolds downstream uh, in kind of like really formative ways. Um, that idea I think is how I think about what happens when, when people design technology and it's also something that I think about in my work I guess. Um, do you have anything to add to that? I think what is nice about the visual arts program, um, so we're both also computer science majors, but I think what's nice about the visual arts program is it has sort of given us a tool set to engage more critically with the world around us. I think there's this kind of issue with the technology center and you know if, like people and some students in this CS program to be very sort of tech happy and sort of ignorant of issues and I think I mean just recently, like this past semester, the CS department has started offering like ethics classes. But I feel, I feel as though one of the things that sort of having visual arts practice has allowed us to do is to engage more critically mm -hmm. a bit earlier on 
and also like a broader variety of formats. So like it could be about technology or identity, but it, like the actual medium that engages with it doesn't have to. Um, and I think that's what's really great about the program. Program, but also like what comes through really well in Jonathan's work is that like. In fact, a lot of the work that he's done that engages with this idea um, is presented on paper. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. I don't really know what to make of it, but I think that's kind of interesting yeah. to point out. Kind of transplanting things from like the online to the yeah. offline media. I also want to build off of that. I think a great thing about the visual arts program's like, framework is that uh, like as... Like as someone who has the ability to like design things and build things, um, it kind of gives you this platform to like have a point of view about how you think the world should be, and then like make things that kind of express that point of view um, and communicates it to other people. And I think that's like a really powerful thing. Yeah. How do you see? I know you just completed your show, so. I hope this isn't an unfair question, but how do you envision yourselves sustaining your practice as visual artists in the future? Yeah. Well, I mean, my I guess my entire show is like uh, has been basically me trying to understand how graphic design is dealt with at Princeton and in the visual arts program, and how that kind of influences or sets up a model for a type of practice that is both half artistic and half like graphic design in production, like traditional like designing books, posters, etc. cetera. Uh, and I think that's not kind of something that I'm hoping to do after graduation. So like being in a smallish studio, um, probably in New York at this point, mm -hmm. um, where like the studio is kind of engaged both critically with uh, uh, current design practices, but then also produces work that circulates and exists in the vocabulary of other people as well. Mm -hmm. What is your, um, do you have a kind of a thesis about the graphic identity of, of the visual arts program? and? Like so, how does how does VIS relate to um, what came before? Oh, yeah, because you were kind of involved in all of that too with the website. Yeah. Um, I guess specifically with that. Um, well, actually, the whole reason why we have a Biz logo to begin with is because I needed to design a favicon for the website. <laughs> Like, that's actually the whole reason. It's like, I don't want, like, that default, like, browser icon. So it's like, okay, I'm going to design something for that. Um, and that's where I came up with this. But the idea is that, like, I wanted something to be sort of plain and simple. Like, because I think the program's work speaks for itself. And there's also the fact that <clears throat> it's, it's like, I don't want to assign any sort of crazy overarching identity to the program. And I, what I liked about Viz itself is just like it's become kind of one of those like terms that everybody in the program knows and kind of uses it to speak about the program. It's like how 
like 185, it's just 185 and not like 185 Nassau Street or anything else. Um, I think that was that. And then uh, in my head, I just always had the idea that I'd do some serif font, and then it ended up just being times italic, which is pretty funny too. Yeah, I, I didn't know that Fabricon story. I, I love how it started online and then kind of transplanted itself uh, onto all the posters. Um, what was the question? <laughs> like after graduation? After or, graduation. Yeah, a couple questions. Maybe uh, could also talk about that, but that's I don't know if you want to. Do. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. So I also did this thing called uh, uh, what did I even call it? The the Princeton VAT booklet. So <clears throat> I took this class with Thea Baxter, held artist research, and one of the first things I did was go into the archives and look up the history of the visual arts program. Um, and it's actually kind of like an interesting history because it reveals like this constant push and pull between the program and the university, sort of like recognizing the fact that it's a program in the first place to like get becoming a program in and of itself to like losing, <clears throat> uh, like it used to be both in 185 and also I think 165 Mount Sostry and then they lost 165 um, because the university wanted to sell it or to turn it into developable property because it was more cost beneficial for them to use that for commercial space. Um, and then there's like the idea that like people in the university don't really consider like, the work that's done in the visual arts program to be sort of academically engaging or at the same sort of level as other more traditionally academic programs. Um, and then on top of that, there's like the, the relationship between graphic design and the visual arts, which um, people often call like applied art graphic design. Um, and so where's that? And like it used to be taught by Aaron Marcus in the architecture school. And then for like 20 years or so, it wasn't taught at all until like 2010 when David Reinford started teaching it again under Joe Swallow. So, like all, the, there's like this really interesting, complex history with like the visual arts program and graphic design at Princeton. <clears throat> and like, like I don't want, to, in a way, it's also kind of a good timing for that now with like the opening of this building, right? Where there's like the, uh, the whole political thing of this being in 185 and all the other buildings, other, all the other departments moving to here. Um, for writing. And the writing scene there. Um, but yeah. And so how does, how does, I mean, does your show, the fact that your show shares a title and your work is in conversation, it kind of feels like you've created a bit of a bridge between this gallery and, and the Lucas. Do you, um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, like, is it yeah. good to be in 185 and stretch out? Is it 
strange to have this new, has the center of gravity of the arts on campus shifted in a way that is detrimental to the visual arts. Big question. (laughs) Yeah. We have a lot of thoughts about the arts on campus. Uh, But but no, I mean, I think it's... um, The unique situation of, like, having this gallery available, I think, um, is, like, there's a lot to play with there. Um, I'm just totally speaking for you, and you can disagree, but I really love that, like, you stuck the vase flag very prominently in this gallery. Like, it's like we're on the moon right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there's that sense of, like, yeah, um kind of like you were talking about with the identity, like viz and graphic design within viz having this very like indeterminate status. Um, like you touched on all the things that I was hoping you would talk about, which mm-hmm. like, you know, graphic design it's not really part of architecture, it's kind of like its own thing within viz and then viz is like didn't follow the rest into the new building and it's kind of part of art and archaeology, but it's like also not. So um, all of these kind of indeterminacies of identity uh, are, I think, give a lot of context to the, like, the two gallery spaces. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I like the fact that our shows are like once you see Jonathan's show, you'll kind of understand like just how they're in conversation with each other. <clears throat> but I mean, the basic elements are that he he has both he has the orange the orange picture back there and the spin picture there in his show, mm-hmm. as well as like the same final WTF with his name instead of mine. Um, which like there's also this idea that he's like. But he's stealing my show in a way. And <laughs> rebranding like um, some of the work in here is his, but like obviously like these are collaborative pieces. Um, but I also really like uh, in coming up with the show we really wanted them to be in conversation with each other. Um, just because it is kind of like representative of the meaningful dialogues we've had. Um, I, one of the, my favorite pictures that I've taken in this space is of the, I think I've shown you this, Jonathan, but it's of the this flag, of the WTF flag um, from the forum down below. Mm-hmm. So it looks like that. And it's just kind of great to have it with you. Yeah, it's like WTF. <laughs> um, but it's also just like peeking through um, into the forum below. Um, so why WTF? What's true for? Uh, I mean, a, a variety of reasons. <laughs> uh, I think some of the things that we've talked about are like the the humor in getting WTF to circulate through official university communications channels. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, the, the dashes are kind of like a parody of our our advisor David's um, habit of like putting dashes between all of his. So, like for his, for all of his course websites, it's like typography is t-y-org. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it also speaks to the kind of uh, ab absurdist, like mm -hmm. ironic kind of humor that is really important to both of our work. Um, mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah, the, the initial reaction of seeing some of our stuff is probably just like, like why is there what a is giant wall text in this gallery? Right. Yeah. Like WTF do I just walk into it in a way. But it's which has kind of like been my philosophy in coming up with the shows like how do I make it as WTF -y as possible? Like mm -hmm. giant pedestal, sixteen by sixteen feet. Okay, let's do that. Um, but yeah, definitely like for me it was like what's true form? It's kind of been like that's the initial idea. That Jonathan suggested for the show. So what do you mean by true form? Is this like a term of art in so, design, or, or that, I mean that goes back to this, like, so to that essay in there, um, where so this idea, like Max Bell's a Swiss graphic designer, um, and he's kind of there's this idea called Gestalt, which is kind of like dealing with the relationships between the parts and the whole. Um, but Max Bell, as Jonathan was saying about like why the spoon essay? Like, so I call it. People call it the spoon essay. But as Jonathan was saying earlier, like, like Gestalt is kind of, according to Maxwell, like constantly looking for this true or idealized form. So every time you design something or you redesign something, you're trying to make it fit a set of constraints that will eventually make it like the perfect spoon or the perfect whatever. And that's sort of like the true or ideal form that like people are constantly looking for. And then there's like this question of like whether or not you can get to that at all, whether that exists at all. And I think that's kind of important. And I think there's also like the idea of form and identity is kind of, you know, you kind of have to talk about both together. So like for me, like form is like what is what does it mean to practice graphic design? on campus in the fourth room is also like what is that form, what is that identity, how does that take shape, what is that practice, um, and that kind of all functions under like, the purview of like what's true form. So what does it mean for graphic design, or I don't want to answer the question by the way I ask it, like um, what are the challenges of graphic design communicating the identity in visual arts? on campus? Well, I think, I think there's like two things kind of that I've been dealing with. One is the idea that, one is the, uh, what we've talked about already is like the idea of practicing graphic design in the visual arts program because it is, as Jonathan pointed out, a bit more separate from some of the other more traditional mediums and it's like and how people perceive it and tell them that you're a graphic designer although mm -hmm. at the end of the day it really isn't that much different than anything else right like we work in photography or sculpture or prints and whatever it's like similar like videos like it's not very different sculpture like not very different than other 
disciplines, I think this is a challenge of kind of conveying the idea that you're a graphic designer, but then how do you do that without all the baggage that comes with saying you're a graphic designer, which people usually associate with like um, advertising, branding, sort of more commercial types of approaches, and then there's, so that gets into the whole um, relationship graphic design has with the way that, I guess, Jonathan and I practice it with the way that it's circulated around campus, too, which is, like, the goal in our practice is to be more critical about the way things look and how things are presented. Um, so remember the show, like, that was here before, which is, uh, like, this font was literally made by chopping the syrups off Princeton Monticello, right, which is, like, totally, like, a dumb, like, absurd title for a show, and, like, the poster that went with it was also absurd and saying, but that was sort of, uh, in a way, I feel like that poster does a good job of representing the, the approach that I would like to take with the Forest program, like, compared to some of the other more traditional posters that we see around campus that are just like, here's an event, here's free food, here's a et cetera. Yeah, using graphic design as opposed to an image of the visual work, if there's, like if it's a painting show. I think that's just been my approach to some of the stuff that I've produced. I wouldn't say that's like a hard, hard thing, a hard constraint. Right. Yeah. Um, hmm. You brought up some interesting things too about like the, like as you say, baggage that comes with like when you label something or when you yes. yeah, call something a thing. Um, and like the baggage of calling an orange an orange. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think one of the things that graphic design engages with when it tries to represent the visual arts program is like that. Uh, that burden of, of connotation. Um, like, you know, both of us have kind of struggled with labeling ourselves. Like, we, we've we settled on graphic designer for now, um, but that also doesn't really, like, uh, you know, that has some connotations that don't really apply to us and also doesn't capture other connotations that we want to express in our work. Um, and... You know, I think that's why we both work like as, you know, visual artists, computer scientists, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, yeah, so like as graphic design relates to the Viz program, I mean, I think one of the nice things about the logo Eric designs is that it uh, it kind of gets closer at like maybe how the people in the Viz program conceive of themselves like it's not as uh, there's not so much of like Princeton's uh, you know it's not the Princeton University visual arts program program in visual arts um, kind of it's just like we're Viz uh, and it's kind of our like pirate flag yeah uh, yeah 
Yeah, and then there's, uh, speaking of like Princeton University, like there's that whole project I did. Right. Like, so like the whole like making a font where you literally chop the serves off Princeton Monticello, which is like the the official university font. Like that's actually like a project that I did, right? Where I printed out um, the all the letters, the, all, of, all the glyphs from Monticello and then physically cut off all the syrups and made Monty Sands, which is, and then proposed a new logo for Princeton University using that font. Um, yeah. Which is both like an essay, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, I think it's brilliant because it kind of expresses the, the some kind of feeling that we both have about Princeton as an institution, too. Um, yeah, like, we were talking about the, this this building the other day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how, like, the the gallery floor, um, like when it when it gets paint on it from installing, which it did this time, and it will again and again. Uh, like they have to spend a ton of money to just like redo the floor um, because it's like some fancy expensive wood that shouldn't really be on the floor of a, a gallery, um, and. And uh, I remember talking to someone saying, like, opening weekend of, of this new arts complex, they uh, they heard, they, like, walked past some, I don't know, maybe it was, like, an alumnus or a donor, and they were like, oh, like, they're letting the undergrads in, and it's ruining the building, and we were just like, what, like, who do you think this building is for? Like, what, I don't know, and I think the, the kind of disconnect between um, Princeton proper and like the individuals who uh, kind of, I mean, are operating within it, uh, yeah, is, is an interesting question of like uh, identity as well. So if this design is a metaphor for a transformation that you think is underway or maybe Necessary at Princeton. Like, what does the what did the what did you call these glyphs? The glyphs. Like, what are the serifs? That's baggage. It's yeah. It's cultural like elitism baggage. Like, it's pure. Like, Princeton used to have an identity that was um, set in half Baskerville and half universe. So, like, the actual identity of Princeton was. Actually, like pretty um, contemporary compared to a lot of other universities, and that was designed in like 1997 by uh, Bill Um But then, in like the early 2000s, the Office of uh, Development basically was like, this identity is too edgy in a way, or too. It's too forward-thinking. It's not like classy enough. Um, and the in so in 2007, they commissioned Michael Berry with Pentagram to redo everything again. Um, so that's how we get the current Princeton identity with the seal, the logo, um, the font, Monticello. I guess all very recent. Like you'd think that having a serif font, like also the history behind um, Monticello is the fact is the is that it's the first type ever designed by American type foundry back during like the Revolutionary War era. Um, 
So it's like a really huge colonial, like, American, it's like an American font. Yeah. Right. Hamilton's like an American musical. But it's, it's really interesting that in 2007, Princeton decided to go away from this, like, really very forward-thinking font and go for a font of Sarah's, which is sort of has all that baggage of it being very sort of official, very Ivy League, right? Um, yeah. And so then, in a way, it's kind of like, it's like the Serbs are actually what give the institution its sort of power as an institution, and that there's sort of state mm. claim as like, this is Princeton, this is like one of the best schools in the country, this is an Ivy League institution. So what happens when you decide to, like, you can think about like a masculine institution or like chop off its serifs, like what happens then. I mean, it is, like one, it is like an exercise in font making, which I wanted to do, but it also is like, like you can't get away from it also being a commentary on its relationship with the university as a whole. Yeah, and I just want to add like, I mean, identities are, they they represent some idea of of how the institution sees itself, but they're also aspirational. Um, they're like, they represent what the university kind of wants to be. Um, so I think it's very telling that, like, I mean, we're, we're both very partial to the, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, tissue. Thanks. Um, I got it, I got it. Yeah, it's really dry. Uh, I think we're both partial to that Baskerville Universe logo, too, because it kind of, mixes uh, the like older style I don't know what you call it maybe like like neoclassical font with the like newer modern looking and, and that again that kind of like indeterminacy and like uh, betweenness of, of the two is like pretty uh, pretty resonant with us so um, yeah. you actually still see that around campus today, a lot of buildings. Sign and stuff? Yeah, a lot of yeah. buildings actually still have the old one, but then um, there's this really great picture I took in front of Brown. The uh, dorm. The dorm a while ago, which is the old logo with the new one. <laughs> that's universe together. There's two signs, like, what? And that's the universe? Probably. So sometimes you air Monte, Monticello with Franklin Gothic? Yeah. I think this is interesting. Yeah. Um, Lincoln Center uses English. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like stature, but contemporary. Like oh, the really? same kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is universe. I would not. I would not peg us as super great at recognizing our fonts. <laughs> uh, or just not. But. Uh, <laughs> um, I was curious if your thesis show, um, I was curious about your show last year, and um, was it I Am Jonathan Zong by Joe Scanlon? That's right, yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> um, what was the, like, what was the punchline of that joke, or like, what, uh, what, um, what were you doing? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I ask myself, uh, what I'm doing all the time. Um, so, that project was kind of, um, so that was, that was a project with a, a third collab collaborator, uh, Drew Wallace, um, and it was like, it was this project 
over over a semester, but arguably also ongoing. Um, that where he kind of took my place within the visual arts program while I was studying abroad. Um, and this Drew is a junior now. Are you graduated? Uh, he graduated. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was oh, it was did the printing piece, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Print yeah. job. <laughs> um, um, I miss Drew. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of born out of this like practical need of like I had responsibilities, but I wasn't going to be here. Um, meanwhile, Drew hadn't kind of discovered the visual arts program soon enough to actually join it. So he was kind of looking for that community. Um, and so by him taking over my studio and uh, taking on my role in the program, I kind of like solved both of those problems. Um, and it was also, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, yeah, so, so we would like both kind of produce work and, and have an influence on each, each other's work. And it culminated in my junior show, and he also did his own show. Um, and then that was kind of originally, we had thought of that as the end of the project. But um, now coming back this year, now I'm here and he's gone, and then I'm finding myself kind of like returning to some of the processes that uh, he became interested in. So like receipt printers are a big part of, uh, hey, um, are, they're a big part of like my show again this year kind of like by happenstance like I wasn't looking to kind of return to, to Drew's work um, but it it happened that way um, and so like thinking of this year as a continuation of that project is also kind of interesting to me um, but yeah so the name like I That's guess favorite part. yeah the name is kind of a pastiche of uh, one of Joe Scanlon's pieces he was the director of the program at the time um, and, and his, his piece, Donnell Wolford, uh, was, was very controversial um, because he had uh, hired actresses to play this fictional character, Donnell Wolford, who was a, a black woman uh, artist. Um, and I think the, the main controversy was, was when uh, the fictional character was included in uh, like some award the, the thing. Winnie. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Whitney Biennial. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, not to, like, not to dwell too much on, on that, because I think enough has been said about that. But um, I think the, that's the punchline. Though. Yeah, that's that's kind of the punchline. It's like a, yeah. And, and Joe is kind of the one who, enable the project to happen, uh, and yet yeah, it's kind of at his expense. Um, so that's kind of interesting as well. Uh, but, yeah. Does your does your show um, also incorporate work that you keep, like work that you've done over the course of your Princeton career? Uh, mine does not. Um, it was yeah. It was kind of a conscious choice. Uh, in contrast to Eric's, to kind of go small. Um, First, by only including work that I've done this year, and then, like, even then, just a narrow, kind of cohesive subset of the work. Um, like, 
Eric's done a great job of like dealing with the the challenges of the hurley and like filling up such a huge space and making it look inhabited. Um, for me, like the Lucas Gallery is already even smaller, and then I mostly use the kind of inner room uh, and not the hallway just to really focus it in. Um, so yeah, I mean, just kind of a, a different choice. questions for each other or what's next so many questions yeah what is next I mean I guess I kind of dodged the question earlier of like what I'll be doing after graduation but uh, I mean I think like through things like interface your face um, and a lot of the body of work that we've begun here at Princeton I mean I think there's hopefully a good foundation for us to keep working together in the future, uh, even if we're not in the same city all the time. Um, yeah, like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but uh, more, I think, is in the pipeline. More? More. <laughs>